part of your job is not just to go out there and spin the most kind of positive purpose-led outlook on what the business is doing. It's also to push back on the business and say, we need to actually be doing the right thing for me to communicate it. Hello, my name's John Higginson and I'm on a mission to revolutionise communications by focusing on the power of purpose. This week I'm joined by Ian McKee, Head of Communications at Good Energy. Ian has worked in communications at firms across a range of sections, sectors sorry, and like me is interested in the intersection of purpose and communication. Ian leads Good Energy's Good Future Board, giving young people a voice to fight for their futures. Good Energy is a renewable energy company whose energy network harnesses sunlight, wind, rain and biogeneration. It's been leading the fight against greenwashing in the industry, challenging the rest of the industry on the climate crisis and the energy crisis, which is so relevant this week. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. Before we talk about Good Energy, I thought it'd be good to talk about who you are and how you got to where you are today. What drew you to communications and in particular purpose-driven communications? Okay. Uh, Not necessarily, uh, as you'll know, natural for communicators to start talking about themselves. And it quite used to be that, you know, the person, you know, in front of the, behind the camera rather than uh, in front of it. But um, I guess uh, my career in comms started uh, about 15 years ago. Um, I saw it, I saw it as a, a potentially creative, um, you know, creativity was quite an important thing that I, I needed to see in my career. It was a creative channel. Um, I'm an English literature graduate out of uni. Uh, so being able to write uh, and speak and, and, and communication just was in my wheelhouse. Drama was the other part of my degree as well. Uh, I think there's some quite good crossover between uh, drama and uh, being a communicator so it just seemed natural really um i started off in in uh, the travel sector and moved between as you kind of hinted at uh, various different other sectors including kind of fmgg big brands consumer b2b uh, quite a bit of tech um i didn't really uh land on the kind of purpose-led piece uh i would say until good energy um but that was certainly what what drew to, to drew me to, to joining the business uh, which I did, uh, yeah, four years ago. So that really brings us into uh, where we are at the moment. And uh, so good to have you on uh, this week in particular. The Prime Minister has announced a £130 billion energy freeze for the, for the country and it would be good to hear from you. Uh, do you think this is the right approach uh, from the Prime Minister? And what else uh, do you think that, that uh, Liz Truss could have done or should be doing? Um, so firstly, technically, she hasn't announced it yet. She might as well have done because the media are reporting it as such. <laughs> she hasn't actually well, I was I, I, I was kind of <laughs> saying that because um, because I know that we won't do all the um, all, all the technical stuff yeah, until uh, after, after yeah. tomorrow and half to, hoping to get it there. But we're gonna we're gonna pretend that uh, that that hasn't kind of happened. So I'll, I'll um, okay. that that's why I did that. Yeah. So technically she hasn't, but by the time you're listening to this, listeners, yeah. I think she will have. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we've been very open in the media over the past months and weeks that this is a really major crisis 
Um, and in, particularly as uh, we're going into this winter um, and what we could see in terms of where the new price cap level was going and where, uh, where you know, what we could see as an energy company in terms of the energy prices going forward just look like it, it's, it's horrific. So we were very publicly saying that this is a crisis that needs a response proportionate to, you know, the 2008 financial crisis or to, or to coronavirus. Um, and that's what this is, it would seem. So, so yeah, welcome it on that front. Um, that's what we were calling for. Uh, I think we need to see follow-up. Clearly, we can't um, just create a plan to subsidise energy bills for the forthcoming and just, you know, that's it, done. I don't, you know, I don't think the government are thinking that either. Um, you know, one big thing that, again, we've been calling for from the start is, a plan for reducing energy demand, so energy efficiency. Um, the UK has some of the most energy inefficient housing stock in uh, the whole of Europe. Um, so while you know, people, a lot of people are kind of looking at um, how uh, energy prices are going up uh, in, elsewhere in Europe and how they aren't seeing quite the stratospheric rises that, that we are, part of that is to do with our lack of efficiency. A lot of it is to do with our dependency on gas um, so we need those problems fixed as well. We need to move away from fossil fuels. Um, it's, you know, if there's one, uh, I, you know, it's too early, I think, really, I think to be talking about silver linings from this crisis, but if there is one, it, it's people now, I think, understand a lot more that the, uh, the benefits of, um, you know, clean, green, local energy sources are not just uh, that they reduce our carbon emissions and tackle climate change. They're also uh, pretty important for our, independence uh, and control over you know, our, how our energy works within the country, um, which makes us less susceptible to geopolitical factors like, like wars in Ukraine. Yeah, great. Very good point. So that brings us on to good energy. And, and uh, why don't you tell us a bit about good energy's values and why you're different from some of the other energy companies out there? Yeah, so Good Energy's been around for uh, over 20 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, long, long time. Um, was one of the kind of first entrants after the kind of market opened up. Um, and it was, in fact, the first kind of formally accredited 100% renewable electricity supplier. Uh, so, sort of invented that term. We now, I think, commonly see 100% renewable tariffs uh, all over the shop. Um, Good Energy was the first to, to kind of properly do that um, and did it in a proper way, which was and still is today um, by buying all of our power direct from renewable generators up and down the country. So we talk about our kind of 1700 um, renewable generators or local suppliers, all of whom are wind, solar, uh, biogen, hydro. Um, and that's the power that we buy in to match all of our supply customers uh, and what they use. Um, that's not actually the only part of the business. We've also, uh, we are the largest kind of independent um, administrator of the feed-in tariff. So what does that mean? Um, the feed-in tariff is, or was, the, the kind of primary way that people with solar panels on their roofs um, get paid for what they export back to the grid. Um, so the feed-in tariff in itself is actually based on a scheme that Good Energy started uh, back in, I think, 2012, let's get my dates right now, um, and the government kind of used Good Energy scheme as the, the sort of blueprint, the feed-in tariff. Um, 
which was enormously successful. It's a, you know, about a million different kind of power, mini power stations around the country, um, which, yeah, import, yeah, export their electricity back into to the electricity grid. Uh, good energy helps um, 185,000 of those. So, uh, yeah, I think we're the only energy company who has more customers who uh, generate electricity than they do uh, take it as a, as a supply source. Well, that's absolutely fascinating, actually. Um, uh, that's something I'm very much looking at at the moment in terms of looking at uh, solar panels on my own roof. And, I, and I'm and i looking at those numbers and looking how much the energy company will pay for the energy that I supply back and how much they're going to charge me. And there's a big, big gap between those two. And I'm kind of then looking at, oh, is it better to um, have a battery and to store uh, own power and stuff like that? But um, those people that do already have solar panels... I'm sure know that you some you suddenly become an expert in feed-in tariffs and all these other things and times of the day to do it uh, to to use your energy uh, and it all becomes very exciting. Um, now I often tell our clients um, uh, that, that that talking about their purpose before a crisis really strengthens if a crisis hits, whatever that is, whatever that that, that crisis might be. And and, and clearly, as an energy company, uh, company. You're right in the eye of the storm of, of, of the news at the moment. Um, the reason we say this is we believe that uh, if you're out there talking about your why, talking about your purpose in advance, then your customers are more loyal, your employees are more loyal, and they're more likely to believe you if something does go wrong. They're more likely to believe that it, that, that one thing that went wrong might be due to one bad apple rather than a, a bad company overall. Um, do you believe with it in this yourself? Certainly, yeah. I think we are um, benefiting from that uh, currently, frankly. Um, Gillen has been quite, um, you know, with our kind of campaigning and work around greenwashing, we've, you know, we're not the best known company in uh, energy company in the UK by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, those who do know us trust us um, to be transparent, to be honest about, you know, what we're doing, what's going on in the industry. Uh, we've always been very focused on producing a lot of kind of explainer content, trying to trying to show people, you know, what's actually the truth and what's happening within energy. Um, and suddenly that's all extremely relevant. Um, and our customers, you know, because we have that history of doing that for so many years, um, are, yeah, are loyal to us still. Um, you know, we, we're in the midst of, you know, one of the worst crises of any industry in potentially decades. Um, and it seems odd to be thinking about kind of things like trust pilot reviews and everything, but, but our customer kind of uh, appreciation of us as, as a business is, is staying high. Um, and I think in some cases getting higher because we are being so kind of proactive in trying to explain what's going on. And just, you know, it's not really different to the model that we had before. It's just suddenly the stakes are a lot higher. And there's a lot more to say. Great. And um, now tell us about some of the things you do to uh, actually get heard as a, as a smaller company. And, 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 I, and I've seen that uh, your CEO, Nigel uh, Pocklington, has, has been uh, getting about on the airwaves a bit um, lately. But mm. uh, that would be very good to hear. Um, well, I think fundamentally, being a smaller company gives us the... Uh, opportunity to to speak more freely we are a challenger brand 
that is our position in the market. Um, and there's no kind of getting around that. If we aren't getting out and talking openly about what's going on, then what, what are we for, frankly? Um, and uh, it's, I think it's been interesting through this crisis. Bigger companies, they clearly uh, got more stakeholders, more customers. Um, they maybe can't move as quickly, decide what they want to say as quickly. They need to be a little bit more measured um, in what they say. Um, they maybe don't have it as clear in terms of you know what the story is and what you know what they think the solutions might be. Um, so they are, you know, I have kind of seen through this crisis that, that kind of energy company CEOs have there have been some really good examples of those communicating um, outside of our own. Um, but I think we've, we have kind of taken that opportunity to, to be more proactive and more vocal um, because others, I think, have perhaps been a bit more reticent for those reasons. Um, so, yeah, so being that kind of smaller business that can respond quickly and, and knows what we stand for, um, you know, and knew that to start with uh, has been advantageous, I think. Let's just talk um, briefly about greenwashing, and uh, just just for for any listeners that, that that don't know what greenwashing is, essentially this is where a organisation will t- try to take advantage of their customers' concern for the environment by pretending to uh, do positive things for the environment themselves, without actually doing those things and and uh, taking advantage of that information gap that might be there. Why has Good Energy been so vocal on this issue? So, um, I mean, at a kind of top level um, and the kind of standard greenwashing that most people or other people might be aware of in, in energy would be the kind of big oil majors potentially spending a lot more money on advertising their, you know, the renewable clean energy parts of their business when their actual, uh, you know, spend over the year is, you know, much, much more in, uh, you know, oil exploration and, and uh, gas. Um, from an... A kind of energy retail perspective and what good energy has been campaigning quite specifically on over the past few years uh, is a bit bit of a kind of complicated issue around green tariffs um, so I mentioned at the top of the podcast about how we uh, how good energy supplies green electricity we buy all of our power directly from renewable generators we think if a customer buys a 100% renewable electricity tariff then they are expecting the supplier to be buying 100% renewable electricity on their behalf that's not actually how the market works at the moment. Um, it's perfectly possible for an energy supplier to just go to the wholesale market, which is a mix of all sources, including you know fossil fuels and, and nuclear, um, match that with what their customers are using, and then separately buy certificates to provide to Ofgem at the, at the end of the year to say all of that electricity that we supplied to our customers was renewable, which is a bit of a trick of the hand, basically. Um, it's not quite what the customers, I think, believe is happening um and I mean, there's complexity there anyway because to start with um I don't, not not many average people understand what a 100 percent renewable tariff should be um you know we did research a few years back and, and most people thought that you would be connected up to a private grid that supplies your electricity directly from a from a wind farm um which clearly is it's not possible um so that's sort of what we've been campaigning on and getting a lot of uh media interest around um we have now seen um a couple of uh really useful accreditations around this as well as well so um good energy has 
the which eco eco provider accreditation. So which were kind of the first uh, kind of consumer body I would say to really get interested in this, and um, they produced this uh, kind of detailed report on what green tariffs are really green um, in 2019, and they've continued doing that year on year, and then started their own accreditation. Uh, U-Switch did the same thing um, as a comparison site. Um, well, that's that's a good uh, advert there for a very good um, uh, media provider, which, uh, um, what other um, forms of media do you read, watch, or swipe in your day-to-day as a comms professional? Like many of us, I think probably particularly right now, start my day with the Today programme. Um, does set the agenda, I think, for a lot of our days. Um, and, you know, again, particularly right now, all of the business pages and all the newspapers. I mean, it, I would ordinarily have gone to the energy section. Um, I don't have to tend to um, scroll that far uh, into the news websites or print uh, these days to find the latest energy story. Um, tends to be on the front page. Um, but yeah, all of the nationals. Um, I am a bit of a Twitter addict. Um, I kind of ebb and flow as to how active I am myself on there, but um, I do get a lot of my, I think it's kind of essential for me, I think, as a, as a comms pro, is, is Twitter, is, is the, the news fire hose. Um, particularly when things are moving so quickly, it's, it's a good place to, to stay up to date. Um, and you get all the kind of quick analysis and things as well. Um, yeah, and then I'm kind of the, the slower news, if you like. I'm a big fan of uh, things like Tortoise Media um, and all their, particularly their podcasts, actually. I'm a big podcast fan, consume a lot of podcasts, a lot of political and um, industry-focused uh, podcasts, um, as well as some lighter-hearted story-driven ones as well. Yeah, how how are you consuming them? I I always put podcasts on for my runs. I find that really useful. How do you when are you listening to? Is it on your commute? Is it while doing exercise? Uh, running as well, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, I get through a lot of podcasts on my run. Um, I do a bit in my commute as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm training for a half marathon at the moment, so plenty of podcasts. Very time. good, very good, very good. Um. So just uh, just to finish off, um, for any um, communications professionals out there uh, listening, what um, or, or, or anyone wanting to get into communications and purpose-led communications in particular, mm. uh, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say back your instincts, I think, and, and just be, uh, I think you have to kind of be bold. There's no, one of the things I think I've learned from, running comms in good energy as it is a purpose-led business and it is genuinely there are things that we do like as i just explained in terms of how we operate our green tariffs where we actually in some ways make life harder for ourselves by doing the right thing um and as i think as a comms professional part of your job is not just to go out there and spin the most kind of positive purpose-led outlook on what the business is doing it's also to push back on the business and say we need to actually be doing the right thing for me to communicate it. Um, so I would say that's that's probably the kind of key thing. Back yourself. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and particularly if you're, I think, you know, you can be a purpose-led 
communications professional working within one of these businesses which work might not be considered traditionally purpose-led you're you know working in comms for bp or wherever that that's perfectly credible i think and that that is your role i think to to make sure you're not helping bp greenwash but to push and, and help the business be better Ian McKee, Head of Communications at Good Energy, thank you for joining me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose.